Picture this, you're sitting down to watch a live poetry performance. The first poet takes the stage, and as they begin to read, they're accompanied by a live jazz band. If this sounds intriguing, well, you're in luck. International Jazz Poetry Month returns to Pittsburgh on May 2nd. The festival features more than 50 artists, including local jazz icons and poets from Algeria, Cuba, Sudan, and Ukraine. Tickets to watch online or in person at City of Asylum's home on the north side are free. Get yours at cityofasylum.org before they're gone. Here's what Pittsburgh is talking about. If you've watched the news, been on social media, existed in the world, you've seen these photos from East Palestine, Ohio. Huge black mushroom clouds over, you know, an otherwise normal looking town. This place is only 50 miles northeast of Pittsburgh. And I hate to say it, but for a lot of reasons, something like this could totally happen here. We're with Christina Marusic of Environmental Health News. It's Thursday, February 16th. I'm Morgan Moody, and this is CityCast Pittsburgh. Earlier this month, a train carrying um, toxic chemicals derailed and caught fire in a town very close to the Pennsylvania border. Officials there were afraid the burning cars were going to explode, so they evacuated people to do a controlled release of the toxic fumes that were on um, these cars. Residents are home now, but there are major concerns that these chemicals are in the water, the air, the soil. Christina, I guess just to start, how did this happen? So this happened because of a malfunctioning axle. Something went wrong on the train and it derailed. Um, And rail workers have been saying that there's kind of this culture of um, cutting costs and cutting corners with regard to safety and inspections um, that's kind of prevalent uh, in the railroad industry right now and is one of the reasons that rail workers uh, were trying to strike a few months ago mm. um, and that, you know, this this is likely to continue happening. And in fact, we've seen, you know, um, in the greater Pittsburgh region, we've seen eight kind of major train derailments, including this one in the last five years. Right. What What is the timeline like from um, this train derailing and catching fire to um, this town being evacuated and, and kind of where we're at now? So the, the train derailed on February 3rd, um, and the train in total was about 150 cars, and about 50 of those cars went off the track. Mm. Um, the EPA has said that about 20 of those rail cars were carrying hazardous chemicals, and most of those chemicals are um, used to manufacture plastics. Um, so, Do you know where those trains were going? Yeah, they were traveling from Madison, Illinois, to Conway, Pennsylvania. And the evacuation happened soon, shortly after... Um, the derailment or part of it happened. So right after the derailment, about 1,500 to 2,000 residents in East Palestine were told to evacuate and schools were closed for the week. Um, on February 6th, Ohio Governor Mike DeWine extended the evacuation order to include anyone in a one by two mile area surrounding East Palestine. And that included parts of Ohio and Pennsylvania. And then on February 8th, two days later, um, residents were told that they could return home. 
Have you found out what these chemicals are exactly and um, what they're for and and why they were being moved through a residential neighborhood in the first place if they're this toxic and dangerous? So in 2020, um, there was a, a request to allow uh, transport of liquid natural gas products um, and other hazardous chemicals by rail, which had previously been um, illegal for safety reasons. And activists at that time, like really fought tooth and nail to stop that because they predicted accidents like this. They said it's not safe to transport these really volatile chemicals this way. Right. Um, they worried about explosions and chemical exposures. Um, but the that effort went through. So now it, it all over the country, these hazardous chemicals are being transported by rail at the same time that we're seeing rail workers complain that we're cutting corners in terms of safety and inspections and mm-hmm. all of those things. How were how, what corners were being cut like during the, these inspections? So in December, the Rail Workers Union, Rail Workers United, tried to strike over, uh, among other concerns, management changes they say cut inspection time short, making it more likely that a disaster like this one would occur. Um, the strike was shut down by President Joe Biden. Folks have also pointed out that Norfolk Southern Railroad, which is the railroad, the company that owns the train that derailed and the railroad it derailed on, um, is owned by hedge funds. And that's an arrangement that incentivizes cutting costs and maximizing profits. And there's a TikTok that sums this all up really well. I heard firsthand months ago about the corporate practice of precision scheduled railroading. Precision scheduled railroading is uh, shorter staff, Longer hours, longer trains, less safety, less maintenance. Do I have all that right? Oh, you got it all right. I mean, a a lot of the derailments that you're seeing on national TV is one of a few things. It's lack of maintenance on the track, or they've cut the track (laughs) gangs too short and they can't get out to fix it, or they've cut the carmen's, which is the union that works on the rail cars. So uh, we have one derailment here in Northeast Ohio where a wheel flange was very thin. It picked a switch and derailed the entire train. Luckily, it was full of candle wax and not something highly volatile. These railroads are turning profits hand over fist. They've cut their workforce to bare bones, and now they're paying the price for it because the wheels are falling off the train, basically. Carmen were inspecting cars about three minutes per car. That's always been the industry standard. Now it's 90 seconds per car. Is that because of PSR? Yes, it's a rush job right now. And these guys are under pressure. I mean, they're working men and women. And, you know, if they don't hurry up and get this car done, they're going to be fired. And this is the business model that they demand. Profit at any cost. And disaster like this is simply a cost of doing business. They cut everything, make all the money, and pay off disasters in tiny flyover towns from the profit. But instead of answering for any of that, they're betting that the corporate media under the same pressure for extreme profit as railroads, will only ask questions about how much cancer people will get and not why this preventable disaster happened. That's TikToker Hey John Russell. But what's happening there right now? You know, residents are back home, but I'm seeing a lot about them, you know, returning to their pets being dead, um, dead fish, dead aquatic life, you know, in the water. Is that real? And is it even safe to be there right now? 
So officials are saying it's safe. The EPA has taken um, some air monitoring and done some water monitoring, and they're saying that levels of these harmful chemicals are uh, low enough that it's it's safe for people to be there. Um, but we are seeing reports, you know, some residents have complained of headaches and feeling sick since they've been back. And um, you're right, there have been reports that people's chickens have died, um, that their pets have become sick or died, um, and and people are seeing dead fish in nearby streams. Um, some residents have been warned that their drinking water might not be safe. So some drinking water authorities there, initially they were told it was. Now that, you know, authorities are learning more about how much of these chemicals got into local waterways, um, mm-hmm. some people have been told to hold off on drinking their water and they're being provided with, um, you know, a water buffalo or bottled water. And, and we kind of don't know if it's actually safe. You know, there's some, there's some mistrust about, um, what agency officials are saying. There's concerns about long-term health effects. If there, even if there aren't like acute health effects happening for people, um, and there've been, do you think they're lying? That's my, that's my conspiracy (laughs) theory question. Cause I always think the government is lying. Like, do you think they're lying about the pollution? You know, in all of my my reporting, I think it's like much more likely to be like incompetency than lying. Mm. I think it's much more likely that we just don't actually know everything yet. You know, um, these regulatory agencies are are doing their best and moving as quickly as they can, but there's just a lot of uncertainty, and they're erring on the side of. Um, you know, reassuring people rather than causing alarm, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, <laughs> might be good in the short term and might be less good in the long term. Do you like to dance? Look at beautiful art, eat gourmet snacks, people watch? Well, mark your calendars for Friday, June 7th for one of my favorite parties in Pittsburgh. It's Mattress Factory's 25th Garden Party. The theme this year is make-believe, and it's all to celebrate and support the creatives in our community. There's going to be live music, an open bar, an art auction, and probably my favorite, the costume contest. Trust me, I will be judging yins, and so will everyone else there. Be playful, be imaginative, explore your magical realm, because this is a theme party. You want to come dressed to impress. You must be 21 and up to attend, and rest assured, every dollar raised goes directly towards supporting the museum, its art, its education, and all of its community outreach initiatives. Get your tickets now to the 25th Mattress Factory Garden Party. They are in our show notes and online at mattress.org. So that's Ohio. I do want to talk about Pittsburgh. Um, The EPA says these chemicals are in the air, the water, the land. Um, I keep seeing maps showing the Ohio River Basin that say, you know, our our water is effectively screwed. And, you know, is that true? I mean, I know we already have, you know, a problem with lead. I use my filter every day, but, you know, that can only do but so much. Um, Is this going to make our, our water quality worse? So the short answer is we we don't know yet. Um, the the EPA is still collecting water samples, and a couple of 
Um, I was reading a story in Newsweek about specifically about concerns about water and a handful of water authorities in other places that are downstream on the Ohio have started either testing for some of these chemicals or adding additional filtration to account for some of these chemicals. Um, Not all of them. It's kind of voluntary at this point. They're not being told to do that by a regulatory agency at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so so unfortunately, there's still a lot of uncertainty here. Um, the Ohio River provides drinking water to more than 5 million people. And um, the EPA specifically noted in some of their documentation that these chemicals have made their way into waterways that connect to the Ohio. Um, And I think, you know, in the coming weeks, we'll just need to be asking our uh, local regulators and our state regulators and also our water authorities to, you know, really be on top of this and be keeping an eye out for these contaminants. We have trains um, constantly passing through Pittsburgh, and you never know what's on those cars. Um, Just last year, there was a train derailment in Harmer Township, those tanks carrying uh, chemicals that are used in petroleum products. It spilled into the creek. And then there was another train derailment. No one was hurt, but um, a double stack train fell off the track into uh, Station Square. And it spilled diapers everywhere. So luckily no one was hurt. But this stuff happens. What would a train derailment like the one in East Palestine look like in within the city of Pittsburgh? Yeah, so environmental advocates have been um, kind of raising the alarm about that possibility for quite a while now. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2015, activists from across the country convened a rail safety convention in Pittsburgh, actually, to call for legislation that would prevent accidents like these as they were seeing an increase in the transport of hazardous chemicals and chemicals associated with plastics manufacturing in the oil and gas industry by train. Um, those warnings were not, have not been heated. So mm-hmm. I think I mentioned earlier, this is the eighth major train derailment in the greater Pittsburgh region in the last five years, including those that you mentioned. Um, so now these same advocates who've been trying to call attention to this issue since 2015 um, are really raising the alarm that a similar accident like this could happen in a more densely populated urban neighborhood like um, these same Rail lines run through East Liberty in Pittsburgh and Oakland. Um, You know, activists are saying the evacuation plans aren't adequate, they aren't up to date, um, that we'd have a very hard time moving. If we had to evacuate a Pittsburgh neighborhood like East Liberty or Oakland, we'd have a very hard time getting that number of people out in time, accounting for people who may have disabilities and need help getting out, finding a place for all those people to stay. (laughs) You know, um, it would really be potentially... um, even more catastrophic than than this accident was if this happened somewhere where a lot more people live. Christina, you're regularly covering um, the environment here in Pittsburgh. We already have bad air quality because of pollution. Um, there's even an app, Smell Pittsburgh, you know, dedicated to reporting bad chemical smells. And we have an episode on that you can listen to uh, from November. If toxic chemicals like this get released into the air in Pittsburgh, what, what does that mean for air that's already polluted and for the people like us who, who have to breathe it? It's a good question, and I think it's one we're still waiting on answers for. Um, so far, um, uh, 
local officials have said that they didn't see any changes in our regional air monitors that seem to be related to the train derailment. So there wasn't like a big spike in pollution that appears to be directly tied to the the derailment or the subsequent burning. I'm interested in talking to like an atmospheric chemist about this, you know, like where are all those chemicals just gone? People have right. pointed out that we're kind of down downwind of the site. Um, are there lingering concerns or is this something that already would have passed? Those are all kind of unanswered questions right now. So I think we're unfortunately waiting for for further studies to be done. But right now we're not seeing on our on our local air monitors, um, we're not seeing a like alarming change in the amount of air pollution that's in the air in Pittsburgh that seems to be tied to this. Um, so as you said, we kind of generally have um, poor air quality in Pittsburgh. We had a couple really poor air quality days earlier this week um, where lots of people were submitting reports in the Smell Pittsburgh app, um, but it's more likely that those were related to our local polluters like U.S. Steel, the Clayton Coke Works, the Edgar Thompson Mill and Braddock um, than, than the derailment. Christine Marusic is a reporter for Environmental Health News. Thank you for keeping us um, a little sad and bleak, but also very informed. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on the show. A little more news before you go. The Shell plant in Beaver County that's been accused of air pollution on several occasions since it went live in November had a flare-up this week. Residents in Monaco were seeing bright flames in the air after the ethane cracker plant said they experienced an equipment malfunction. Back in December, the PADEP gave the company a violation for going over the amount that they were allowed to pollute a year after only being operational for a few months. Environmental groups plan to sue the company that makes plastics for their air quality violations. And if you're having trouble getting an Uber or a Lyft last weekend, well, it's because the drivers are striking for better pay and safer work conditions. One Uber driver from Pittsburgh told WESA the company is keeping a bigger chunk of money from each ride. And that's not enough at the end of the day to keep up with expenses like car repairs. Organizers for the strike are asking local and state officials for laws protecting drivers' pay and their safety. That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. If you enjoyed the show, tell your friends, rate the show, leave us some love, and subscribe to our Hey Pittsburgh newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city, so we'll see you then. I was like, what is the date?